Today on Fit for Purpose, I'm talking with Eileen Brown, the Customer Experience Director of Northern Gas Networks. We cover how being a gas supplier gives their business a unique ability to reach into millions of homes and improve lives and opportunities at the same time. And how the switch from natural gas to hydrogen can make energy in the UK much greener and friendlier to our planet. Eileen, obviously, it's been a, a tough time for, for Northern Gas Networks over the last few months. Tell us a little bit about how challenging it's been and what it meant for you as Director of Customer Experience at a time when it was really hard to be out there talking to customers. Yeah, it, it has been a challenge for everybody, Justine. I think recognising a challenge at home and a challenge at work and trying to balance the two. Uh, but I guess thinking particularly about the role that we do, um, we are an essential service provider. We keep the gas flowing in our region. So what was really paramount to us was understanding how we could keep those really essential operational practices going and doing them safely. So mm-hmm. our customers um, felt safe with what we were doing. So we had to very quickly figure out what what were the commitments that we were going to make to our customers, what mattered to them, how could we reassure them that through those essential activities that we do, like attending to gas escapes, we could keep them and ourselves safe. So we created uh, something called our COVID promise, which details exactly what we're going to do when when we're with a customer so keeping a safe distance keeping things well ventilated the PPE that we're going to wear Um, but clearly we needed to provide a lot of reassurance to ourselves and to our customers and presumably all of this done in double quick time as well as as we quite quickly had to confront COVID and then respond to the lockdown yeah it I mean we're as a as an emergency response business, we're used, to, we're used to reacting quickly. So I guess it played to one of our strengths that we were able to mobilise kind of our, our senior leadership team and the business around the core decisions that had to be made and, and we did make them. But certainly, I mean, one of the sharp shifts for us was moving our office-based colleagues out, out into their homes pretty much straight away, as, as happened all across the UK. Fortunately, we had the technology to support that, but then we also had to think about how we could support um, our working parents that were balancing then childcare and work at home, which was a tremendously hard challenge for anybody to do. So kind of moving through the, the early months through April, through May, through June, understanding how we could support our colleagues to continue to, to do the job that, that they're there to do, but also to make sure we supported them in every element of their life was, was a real challenge. But I think we've come through kind of certainly the, that first wave, learning a lot about what we are capable of doing mm-hmm. and how we are capable of adapting. And when you look at the work that you've done more widely on supporting communities, how has COVID affected all of that over recent months? Yeah, I mean, I guess we never really at the start of it understood just how much support our communities would need. We knew we had a role to play, but to start off with really trying to understand what we could and should be doing seemed to be an ever moving feast as, as the pandemic developed. So one of the first things we did was reach out to both our colleagues and our community charity partners 
to ask them what we should be getting involved with and, and they came up with some fantastic suggestions for things that we could and have since done so I can just talk through a couple of those if that would be useful. That would be really good just to give people a sense really of practically what that all means. Yeah so one of the first thing we did was look at the um, what our colleagues have available to them so they each have two volunteer days that they can each use each year we immediately unlocked that and made that unlimited so colleagues could then offer support within their own communities whilst working from home or out our operational colleagues and they picked up a range of support including volunteering for Age UK with care calls to people who are feeling isolated to picking up prescriptions and food supplies and we reached out to local care homes and hospices and a lot of our colleagues as as everybody does, had elderly relatives and, and people that they knew of dear to them that they could no longer see or look after. So um, they talked to us about the support that we could provide to those organisations and the range, again, of, of help that we've provided. We provided uh, donations of tablets uh, so that um, care homes and hospices could keep better in touch with their families so from a digital perspective mm -hmm. um, and we also provided some plans to a hospice that wasn't able to keep their memory garden going because relatives couldn't visit so residents in the hospice didn't have a lovely garden to look at through the, mm. through the lockdown and we also day to day recognised that the customers that our engineers see each and every day through gas escapes through our daily activities they were coming across some people that really were in dire need of immediate support so we created some care packages that contained both essential supplies that were really difficult to get hold of at the time we'll mention toilet rolls um, but flour milk bread etc but also contained things like puzzle books recognizing that it's as important to look after yeah. mental health as it is physical and so I mean in a sense, what you're saying is that it's worth bearing in mind that some of your on-the-ground engineers might have been the only person that that resident might have seen for some time if they were maybe shielding and there was an issue with their gas supply or they were, you know, really isolated for different, for different reasons. Exactly that. And our engineers always feel a duty of care. Um, we're, we're in a privileged position in in a world that is moving very much to online services for most of what we what for most of what we buy now and and services that we have we deal with our customers face to face we have to and it's such a privileged position to be in but in that privileged position we end up being exposed to situations hardship we see things we notice things and the worst thing in the world is to walk away feeling like you've not helped as yes. much as you could have done um, so what we wanted to do is make sure that our engineers and our colleagues were equipped to offer help, whether mm -hmm. that was immediate help, but we also have a wide range of referral partners. So we can, we, if it's not something that's within our gift, we can refer that customer to help that is available to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it also, in a sense, was an emergency response, obviously through COVID, but it's very much reflective of a wider NGN approach around how you deal with vulnerability and the customer vulnerability strategy, which has really led on to so much more for you as a company. Can you tell, tell me a little bit about that journey almost that NGN's been on 
around looking at vulnerability, understanding it, looking at how it's different in different places, and then what NGN itself can practically do to help. Yeah, uh, it, it's, been, it's been a long journey and an interesting one, Justine. So we've always focused on looking after our customers. That, that is at the heart of what we do. But in that, we understand that some of our customers and communities, they just might need additional support. And how, how can we understand that? So we look at it in two ways. One, we only serve our customers once in their lifetime. So about once every 43 years, your gas mm -hmm. might go off either accidentally or, or because we're doing planned work. Mm -hmm. so our approach in that respect is to make sure that when that does happen, we can have a positive impact as much as possible during that one interaction. But also for the customers and people that live in our region that we might not see and people that live in the communities that we might not necessarily interact with, we want to make sure that we're helping those as well. Mm. So what we started doing was look at how across our network vulnerability changes and there were some issues that were maybe more prevalent in some areas than others. So for example, in Northumberland, rural isolation is, is a really big issue. Um, so what we have done for each of our regions within the Northern Gas Networks area is partner with a strategic partner to help us get closer to that issue and understand mm -hmm. what we can do. So, so these would be third sector organisations exactly out that. on the ground, able to really yeah. help the people who you've identified as, as perhaps most vulnerable for whatever reason. Exactly that. So our partner in, in Northumberland is Community Action Northumberland, who really work to help people living in rural isolation may well be off grid, off gas grid, off electricity grid. Mm -hmm. um, so we, through them, either reach further into that community to help and support, but we also use Community Action Northumberland then to help with some broader initiatives that may, might be running within that region. So that partnership works both ways. And with each one of our nine geographical patches within our region, we have a partner that is, is specifically there that links to the issue that's most prevalent in that area. I think it's really interesting. And it's also fair to say that you put a huge amount of focus on the work that you do with younger people, with schools and developing skills and apprenticeships. And I think it'd be really good to get a sense of not only what you do, but how it's changing over time as you do this transition to the low carbon economy and you, you start looking at, at moving to hydrogen, for example. Yeah, so we, we do have some, some brilliant programmes that run right across the network. So we're partnering with Solutions for the Planet, which is part of a mentoring programme to support STEM subjects and hopefully inspire the next generation into careers in engineering. So we have a number of those programmes that, that run across our network and really try and tackle that issue of kind of getting excited about, about engineering and, and that kind of subject. Um, and then linked to that, we want to make sure that we are, when we do recruit our engineers of the future, that we're training them to be able to deal with that energy transition to a, a cleaner, greener fuel. So we've started thinking about what a greener apprenticeship would look like. Mm -hmm. and we've just launched our most recent apprenticeship programme just this week, actually. And within that, we are making a commitment to offer skills and training in what it's like to, to deal with hydrogen, what hydrogen is about, what the energy transition is about, what those skills of the future will look like, because it's really important that we, we as an industry are advocates of this and pioneer this. 
and make mm -hmm. sure that we're, we're thinking ahead to the skills that will be needed in our industry in years to come. Mm. And I guess you can marry that up also with the working communities and it's a real chance as we have to reinvent the economy effectively to also think more strategically about where opportunities can go and, and how they can make a much bigger difference in levelling up. And I think that's where, you know, for a, for a business like NGN, there's a real prize because not only can you be part of how we reach net zero, you can also be clearly a massive part of how we can level up Britain as well. Yeah, it, it's such an exciting opportunity to, to bring those two aspects together. I mean, recognising that the opportunity gap is widening, particularly with the impact of COVID-19. The work that we're doing on the Social Mobility Pledge is really stretching how we think about things and helping us make firmer commitments about how we address those opportunity gaps that exist within our region. And also recognising our role within that wider business community has been a really useful part of this process, understanding what we do well not duplicating what others are doing so we can all understand the role that we can play in that bigger picture and hopefully that means that benefits are realized faster and the gap closes sooner i think it's, it is a huge opportunity i mean we're really delighted to be working with ngn on the action plan because it can take it all the work that you're doing already and then take it to the next level and i think it's really exciting to hear you talk about all of the the sort of reality of these opportunities out on the ground if we can get things more connected up and maybe link up the work that you're doing with the work that other businesses in the area are doing that's when I think it starts to get really exciting and I remember when we talked before you talked very much about the NGN family and the ability to get some of the other businesses that work with you also involved in in this push and I think that's a really interesting next development as well that we can probably make a lot more of. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, NGN are part of um, uh, an informal collection of the, the utilities within the North and Yorkshire. So it's called Infrastructure North, and that's Northumbria Water, Yorkshire Water, Northern Power Grid and, and ourselves. And we're together responsible for the water, the gas, the electricity, the infrastructure, the energy infrastructure in our region, realising the collective power of us working together on this issue is is a really exciting opportunity for us and something that we, we definitely spend a lot of time talking with the other businesses about and, and figuring out what are the practical things we can work on together. It is, it is an exciting time. And I think, I mean, we talked a little bit about the fact that you work obviously upstream in schools and a big focus on STEM and engineering, but there's also a focus from you on reaching out to people in communities who maybe need a second chance, you know, whether it's ex-offenders um, or other people. I think, tell us a little bit about some of the, the work that you've done around that area, but almost but the chance for that to develop perhaps um, over the coming years. Yeah, I think it's just recognising that there are some people, I guess, anywhere in the UK, this is everywhere, that just don't have the same opportunities. And we are really well placed to make sure that those opportunities are available to all. So by both working locally with kind of locally based um, organisations that do support ex-offenders, that are supporting veterans getting back into work, 
um, we've really tried to focus our efforts in those areas and we've also tried to take a really hard look at our recruitment process as well mm -hmm. making sure that we're not the blocker to mm -hmm. people accessing good and meaningful employment so one of the key changes we've made is to make sure that we don't ask for a driving license anymore through our apprenticeship program and we're also starting to look actually across the board for our other jobs that we advertise outside the apprenticeship space where maybe we've been asking for degrees where they, they simply haven't been needed it's just mm. been um, something that's kind of carried forward on a job application form mm. so we're really trying to look at ourselves and make sure that we're not the problem with people getting good jobs within our region that we're making sure our opportunities are available to all and then I suppose where there are skills gaps or knowledge gaps, actually working with the further education um, and I guess higher education sector to collaborate, collaborate and then plug them collectively. Yeah, exactly that. And a really exciting space is one that we've mentioned around those green apprenticeships understanding what that might look like for the future developing what might it look like i mean you know it's easy to say green apprenticeships what kinds of green apprenticeships uh, is ngn thinking about yeah so we're looking at that across the piece in terms of the the emergency response that we provide the maintenance function that we have um, capital investment programs just making sure that we are looking at, at every single role that we have and that we're looking to what that might look like in the future. But alongside that, we're also recognising that, that that journey that we're on through to um, a cleaner, greener energy is one that is all about people and not just our own colleagues, but really importantly and probably most importantly, bringing customers along that journey with us. Um, there's research that we've done recently with Lise Beckett University that's been looking about looking at public perceptions of green energy and how people feel about the prospects of having their gas network converted um, to a cleaner grass in a, a cleaner gas in future and i suppose a lot of people don't necessarily understand what the change means when it will happen or maybe even that it is going to be happening oh exactly that uh, what we found is that that customers want to be brought on that journey and they want to be brought on that journey now so what it means now um, so that they can be part of the decisions that are being made. And, and for I anyone think, listening to this podcast, um, Eileen, that is thinking, hang on a minute, what changes? <laughs> um, <laughs> in a nutshell, what's, what's the change that's coming down the track? Or the pipeline, I should say. Yeah, well, hopefully down the pipeline. One of the areas that we're looking at is hydrogen. So we have a, a fantastic underground network of pipes and a lot of the work that we're doing as an industry is understanding um, how those pipes can transport a different gas and they are fit for that. Um, the beauty of hydrogen is it's, it's a clean gas when it's burnt. Um, it is much cleaner than methane as it doesn't produce carbon. So, um, so I think it's, it's recognising that there is a network there that can potentially carry this fuel um, then we're working with um, the manufacturers of kind of the, the in-house stuff like cookers and boilers to make sure that they are adapted for the future. Mm -hmm. So they're hydrogen ready and, and can be ready to accept a potentially different source of fuel in the future. 
that's a not whole scale change to the the energy infrastructure within a home it's changes appliances it's changes yeah. to appliances and it's a bit like um a lot of people probably will be too young to necessarily remember the shift from you know leaded to unleaded petrol but actually from your yeah. perspective it, it's a bit like that where actually it'll be a different fuel and in the same way that people steadily had to shift from you know leaded to unleaded engines this is the same thing but in relation to any appliance you've got that uses gas at the moment yeah it's exactly that it's a transition there's technical aspects to it there's safety aspects to it there's customer acceptance aspects to it there's a whole range of things but the one thing that is is there is that we have to do something that change has to happen we have to move to cleaner greener fuel in the future to make sure that people can continue to heat their homes cook their teas heat water for a bath for a shower that has to happen mm. um, so we've, we have to go on this journey and the really important thing for us is the i guess for us at engine it's the people part of it it's understanding how customers feel about it yeah. feel about that change what we need to do in terms of communication and making sure we're taking our colleagues on that journey as well in terms of training and getting ready for the future. And then as, yeah, as you say, as part of that, there, there are opportunities and that's a chance to do leveling up in communities where opportunities can really make a big difference, which is where I think all of this really starts to knit together. Yeah, exactly that. There's, there's so many opportunities for the future um, that, that are really exciting and the, the social mobility pledge and action plan allows us as a business to have real clarity of thought in how we bring those all together and we're really looking forward to, to getting it launched and i hope that it'll really give a sense not just of what ngn's doing but also your level of ambition to do even more over the coming months and years and and hopefully as you say you can share it with a wider utility sector uh, and a wider business sector so that people can really get a sense of the ideas you've had and how you put them into practice, which is fantastic. Now, Eileen, I wanted to ask you about your journey in a way, because, you know, not everyone ends up as a director of customer experience. Um, tell us a little bit about your career before that and almost, you know, when you were growing up, what you were interested in. I mean, obviously, I... I can guess that you, you weren't necessarily expecting you'd end up with that kind of a, a role when you were going through school. What, what was that journey like for you? No, I, I don't think I ever thought I would, I would end up here. Um, so my first ever job was in a bakery, um, working in, in the bakehouse, actually doing all the washing up and making the cakes. And I occasionally got brought to front of house if, if the shop was really busy. But what I really enjoyed then was, was working with people. And that's something, whilst I didn't recognise it when I was younger, that's something that I think I always wanted in my career, was to work with, yeah, it was just to work with people, understand how, what people wanted and needed, and have a, probably have a job in, in customer service like I've got now. I just never realised it at the time. So I did start work for National Grid Transco, and that was 20 years ago. Um, but I started as a temp, um, through an agency that, that isn't, isn't here anymore. But I started just taking minutes, filing, making the drinks, um, anything that anybody needed doing that was kind of at a very basic admin level. Um, and I never thought 
that I would ever stay with the industry. I never thought my career path would take me to here. Mm. Um, but I have always had a desire to learn and there were always lots of new opportunities and new things to do. And I kind of always want, wanted to do that and took any opportunity that, that came, came towards me. Um, so yeah, just continue to grow and learn. So it was that. a classic case of one thing led to another. Yeah, it's exactly that, exactly that. I couldn't have, I couldn't have picked this path. I couldn't have said that's where I want to get to. And I mean, you must, it must be, I think it's really important to have women on boards. Obviously, we're getting towards the end of the, well, it's 10 years next, next year since the Davis Commission really got going and was looking at gender. Um, it must feel you know, you must feel proud that you're one of those women on a board that's helping those numbers really reflect the fact that women have a huge amount to offer, but that should also be in business as well as a wider society. Yeah, I feel, I feel hugely proud of, of the work that has been done and I've managed to be involved with in the career that, that I've had. Um, like I said, it's not, not anywhere where I thought my career would go. Um, it, it still see, even feels odd being asked about a career. It, it just, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey the last 20 years. See, I think that I think the difference, because I, I would sort of say a similar thing about, you know, my journey in politics. I never planned to become an MP at all. Uh, no one in my family was involved in it. And I certainly didn't go into Parliament with any kind of particular plan to become a minister or a cabinet minister. My, my attitude was represent my community and work hard, try and make sure that I've taken their priorities and make them, made them mine and then just do my best. Um, I think probably the difference maybe is, you know, if I was perhaps talking to a man, you know, there'd be been a much more of a, a sort of, ambition and thought process around a career building and, and I hate stereotyping but I think maybe that is just a slightly different attitude perhaps that you have as a woman on careers than than as a man. Yeah potentially um interestingly the the bit of advice that kind of st stayed with me all the way through my career came from my dad and, and it was probably to, to make sure his children got a, um, ended up in, in good work and were, were good employees. But he just used to say to me all the time, Eileen, just work hard, work hard, understand what your job's about, just work hard, you know, keep your head down and try and enjoy what you do. And, and I often thought about that when I ended up getting a, I don't know, asked to do something that I didn't particularly enjoy. I always worked hard at it and eventually found I got something out of it. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think that it definitely wasn't a deliberate, it's never been a deliberate career path. Mm. I've always just wanted to work hard. And I guess latterly in, in the job that I've had, which has been really connecting with customers and communities through the work that I do, is just make a difference. Just yeah. know that together as a business, we can make a difference. Yeah. Um, and that that isn't about me and my job. It's about the business that I work within, us as a team, the value of the team around me and on all the different backgrounds that they have, the diversity that they can bring. Um, we're not just a gas network, very much. You've, yeah. you've mentioned the word family about NGN. 
it is exactly that. We're, we're a network of people that work together for each other, for our customers and our communities. So being part of that, feeling that, that sense of community for me in work, I think has really helped me, I guess, realise the potential that I've got and what I have to offer because it's given me an environment through which I could flourish. And I think the great thing is that, in a sense, in terms of what NGN does as a core, which is make sure our gas network in your part of the country stays up and running, that's almost the beginning of the impact, isn't it? Yeah. That you can have on a wider community, not the end of it. And I think it's almost that that leap of mindset to understand that, that then unlocks all of the rest of what you're doing and what you look at. And of course, you know, following COVID, all the challenges on levelling up and, and inequality are far more stark, really, than they've ever been before. So it's just never been more important to have, you know, businesses really able to play a role and understanding what theirs might be and being willing to do that, willing to work with other companies. You know, as you say, try and make sure you're not duplicating, but kind of understand what your particular contribution can be. I think, for me, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it, the philosophy that we've had, and, and it's really been led through from, from the chief executive, Mark Horsley, is we are a regulated business. You know, there are things that we absolutely have to do from a safety and a, a technical and a regulatory perspective, but that should be the minimum to what we aspire to do and to be. We should really understand our position in the community that we serve and it should be taken as given that of course we're going to attend gas escapes and we're going to do that very well of course we're going to keep people safe and invest where we need to invest in but that should be the minimum and it's all the question always is what more can we do what more can we do that's that's really where the exciting stuff starts to happen so i spend very little very little time at work talking about the pipes and gas because that's really that's that's what happens that's what we do um, it's everything else that I think gets us gets us really excited and motivated at work which is why the opportunity action plan I think is such a great chance for us to really frame what you're doing and how you're going to do it and 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 the level of ambition that you've got which is absolutely brilliant Eileen it's been really interesting listening to the journey that you took um i think your dad gave you some good advice as well it's the kind of <laughs> advice advice my dad used to give me but if you were looking back now and giving yourself as little eileen that sort of advice what do you think what do you think you'd, you'd say to yourself what kind of advice would you would you give little eileen um i would probably say a couple of things say so have have confidence um, because that was something I definitely lacked earlier in my career. Mm -hmm. Have confidence about the value that you can add, believe that you can add value. Be true to yourself, understand the values that, that you've got yourself and, and just be true to them. Don't try to change into something that you're not. Um, so that, that's the first bit of advice I'd give. Um, I've, the second thing I've, I've already mentioned, which is just the value of the team around you. Um, understanding that it is it is about working as a team not about kind of your career on your own it's never about that well it certainly hasn't been for me and then finally um, I guess I used to be really apologetic I spent quite a lot of my career being apologetic about the, the utilities sector that I work within and when I was a little girl obviously you were, oh gosh I wanted to be a marine biologist <laughs> and you know there were many things that I dreamt of being 
And I think when I came into this sector, I almost felt a bit embarrassed about the fact that it was quite dull and some of my friends had really exciting jobs in fashion and photography and traveling and um, yeah, just everything just seemed to be far more exciting than the role that I had. But working for a company like I do like NGN with the philosophy that, that Mark's leadership has brought means that every day for me is, is really a new challenge. Um, so more so than ever, utilities is at the forefront of infrastructure change and growth. There's nowhere else I'd rather be now. Um, and I guess I kind of wish that I'd had that view earlier on in my career. So I guess I'd say to my younger self, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, experience it. Do, do that job, make the most of it, and you never know what it can turn into. Brilliant advice. Couldn't agree more. And I think that if there's one thing COVID-19 has done, it's really changed our perceptions of who key workers are. And I think we've realised that there are a whole load of people who kept the show on the road over the last few months. And a chunk of those were NGN people who were out in spite of everything, making sure that we all got the gas into our homes that we all needed to be able to really deal with a lockdown that meant none of us could go anywhere for a while. So I think, I think it's underlined the importance um, of utilities, but in a really positive way. And, and also the link between utilities, obviously, and the communities they serve. So it's been fantastic having you, on the podcast, Eileen. Thanks so much. Good luck with all the NGM work. We're really looking Thank forward you. to launching mm-hmm. our, our, our Opportunity Action Plan with you on the Social Mobility Pledge. And hopefully um, there'll be some young women listening to you who can hopefully get inspired um, to have a career because I think you know, you've clearly shown exactly how far you can get by hard work and understanding that working in a team is what it's all about yeah lovely thank you thanks for today justine i've loved that one of the really interesting points that eileen made in this podcast was about how northern gas isn't just working in communities but when it comes to opportunities it's also challenging itself and making sure it's a company that's taking away the barriers that it's maybe inadvertently had in place that make it harder to get opportunities in its business I think more companies should be doing this because it could be that some employment practices like needing a driving license when it's not really necessary are stopping people from getting good jobs and good careers and their foot on the opportunity ladder in a way that no one ever really intended. And then after doing that, as the discussion with Eileen shows, you can go further just like Northern Gas Networks by being proactive and working with local schools and colleges so that you can fill any skills gaps that are there in the local area to help create that talent pipeline. And it makes such a difference to levelling up your community. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.